decaf only, Robin. I don't know. I mean, are you going to make it this morning? You have an important role to, uh, to hold down. Good luck. <laughs> if you can find some dark chocolate, maybe you'll be okay. <clears throat> Let's see. Good morning, Adam. Glad to see folks able to join us. <laughs> Good point, Judy. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Bethann. Let's see. We're just all settling in. Good morning, Rajesh. Talking about our warm or not so warm coffee, uh, drinks of choice in the morning. Good morning, Donna. It's actually a very fun part of the morning for me to say hi to folks and see everyone coming in and saying hello. Uh, just a reminder, if you want to make sure everybody can, uh, good morning, Shirley. Good morning, Al. Glad you're joining us for the first time. And uh, just a reminder for folks, if you want to make sure your message goes out to everybody, go ahead and pick all panelists and attendees. And that way we can all uh, say hello. Good morning, Karen. getting settled in here. We'll probably wait a little bit. It's 1030. We'll wait uh, a little bit this morning to uh, let folks join us. Good morning, Susan. As we see the numbers starting, starting to rise of everybody coming in. Good morning, Perry B. <laughs> and Patty and Paul. Oh, excellent. Calling in uh, from the beach. That's actually another fun thing is to hear where everyone's having a chance to uh, be together while we're in different places. So old news now in the age of Zoom and everything like that that's been going on, but still fun to see. From Chicago. All right, so Susan, you've been drinking uh, warm beverages for a little bit longer than we have here. Good morning, Joe and Darwin. Dahlia, my cat is uh, in the office here. Hopefully won't mess things up too much for me. All right, and Benjamin from, from DC, so far away. <laughs> Good morning, John. Good morning. Um, just a reminder for folks, uh, if you wanna make sure everybody can see your message, um, make sure you select all panelists and attendees, that way we can all say hi. That's right, Lynn's got the uh, Baltimore side covered. <laughs> Good morning, Julie. Good morning, Peter. We'll wait a few more minutes for folks to join us before we get started. 
I know I always appreciate a couple extra minutes to make sure settled in and everyone who's joined us from the beginning has a chance to. So we'll get started in another minute or two. And um, just a reminder for folks um, that if you are interested in having your message seen by everybody, go ahead and select all attendees and panelists. And uh, otherwise you can select just panelists, whatever works for you this morning as we're working on our comments. On uh, at least here in uh, Tacoma Park, it's a pretty nice morning in terms of the weather. And uh, Hope everyone's settled in and comfortable and can enjoy a nice time together this morning. Good morning, Sarah. <laughs> Good morning, Johnny and Wayne. Very beautiful morning. I know it depends on where you are joining us. If there's anybody from any other ethical societies joining us, please put a shout out in the comments, let us know. It's great to see. Good morning, Trish. And uh, we'll get started here in just a minute. Um, just one more reminder, if you do want your uh, comment to get out to everybody, go ahead and select all panelists and attendees and uh, that way we can all say hello. Um, it's a good time. Um, let's see, we could probably get started and uh, in the next minute here. And uh, yeah, we'll get going. Sounds good. Um, good morning, everybody. I'm Lynn Cox. I'm the interim leader of the Washington Ethical Society. You can use she, her, or they, them pronouns for me. As we approach election, this election month, these four weeks that are pivotal for building power with others who share our vision for a world of justice and compassion. I'm reminded of the words of Dr. Cornell West. Justice is what love looks like in public. West points out that concern for human beings and for our planet, a vision of equality and abundance, these are evidence of our capacity to love and our actions to support that vision are expressions of love. With this in mind, the Share the Plate team has chosen as this month's community partner, the UU The Vote campaign. UU The Vote, is a mobilization project that delivers information and encouragement that people need in critical places in order to exercise their right to vote and is building power to sustain a vision of empowered grassroots democracy after the election. Your Share the Plate team, Judith Johnson, Stefania Madi, and Jason Fedig, chose UU the Vote from among many options for this month's Share the Plate because the campaign has demonstrated so much effectiveness already at fighting voter disenfranchisement. Because UU the Vote is so closely aligned with the values held at West and because of the opportunities for West members to get involved 
in sustaining democracy. After the Share the Plate team made this decision, we discovered that UU The Vote had created a variety of videos and other materials for communities who are supporting the campaign. And we'll use some of those videos today, but not all. As you may know, the Washington Ethical Society is affiliated with the Unitarian Universalist Association. While some West members regard themselves as both ethical culturists and Unitarian Universalists, some West members regard Unitarian Universalist congregations as more like cousins, feeling more affinity with sibling communities in the American Ethical Union. We'll have a chance over the coming months to explore more about Wes's relationships with the AEU and the UUA. With November 3rd coming up very quickly, I'd like to focus today on our shared goals and shared values. While acknowledging that some Unitarian Universalist leaders may use different vocabulary than we would at Wes to frame those goals. Let us consider the friends who appear in these videos as welcome guests from the extended family here to invite us into an exciting opportunity to build power and leverage our shared strength to transform this country at a critical moment. The names that they have for community, for tradition, for what holds us together may be different than the names we have. Let us not be divided by labels when the work before us is so important. In this month of deep listening, let us listen to understand and to find common ground. We'll get to those videos a little later after we've come together to center our hearts with the practices that are familiar to us at West. We begin today's platform with opening music from interim music coordinator, Leah Morris. We are stronger than our pain. We are greater than our fear. We are made of each I am, and we choose, and we choose where we stand. We Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I am Brian Pashigian and my pronouns are he, him, and I'm so glad you are here this morning. 
Even as we gather in new ways, it is good to be together. Visitors, we especially welcome you from near and far. We, um, we hope that you say hello in the chat and that you might send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas at M-A-C-E-O-T, M-A-C-E-O-T at ethical, uh, ethicalsociety.org. You can also fill out a connection form. Maceo will put that link up in the chat. Thanks, Maceo. And we hope you'll join us after the platform service in our Zoom coffee hour for a chance to say hello. Um, today is the first Sunday of the month. And so there'll be a question and answer session with Maceo and Lynn, the newcomers. And we can have share some more information about that at the end. Our chat will stay open through much of the platform service, closing for the address itself and then reopening. If you do not want to see the chat, this is a good time to minimize it on your device by clicking the red dot in the upper left of the chat box, clicking on the chat icon at the bottom or top of your screen, or even just sticking a post-it note on your screen where the chat is. Low tech works best sometimes. Each week, a member of our community reads our statement of purpose so we might hear our shared values in each other's voices. If you're interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc slash read SOP. And now I invite Judy Myers to read our statement of purpose. Judy is a member of the course, has been involved in ethical culture for 27 years and a member of West for eight. Judy, the floor is yours. Good morning. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you, Judy. If you have a candle at home, I invite you to light it now as I share our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Each week, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I'm particularly mindful of the over 200,000 Americans lost to COVID-19 and to those and their families who continue to be impacted by this pandemic. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. and let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. 
Now there'll be a story shared by Francis Allen Watkins Harper, biography told by Christina River, Riviere, Ashia Hauser, and Michael Tino. All right, everyone. So gather together because we are going to talk about somebody amazing. Frances Ellen Watkins Harper was born and raised into a free black family in 1825. Her family lived in Maryland where slavery was still legal. Being born free in a land where people who looked like a you were enslaved was time. something that inspired both Frances and her family to become abolitionists. When she was very young, both of her parents died she went to live with her aunt and uncle. Theirs was an abolitionist household. They worked to end slavery. And they also ran a school where black children, including Francis, received an education. While still a young teen, she went to work as a housekeeper and seamstress in the household of a Baltimore bookstore owner. Her employers encouraged the inquisitive Francis to use their big library. She devoured books and began to write poetry and essays which appeared in the newspaper. By the time she was 20 years old, her writings were published in her first book, Forest Leaves. In 1850, Congress passed a law that allowed slave catchers to kidnap, enslave, and sell free Black people in states where slavery was legal. Her aunt and uncle fled from Maryland to Canada. Frances fled to Ohio, which did not allow slavery, and then two years later to Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, she became involved in the Underground Railroad, a movement that helped people escaping from slavery. Throughout this all, Frances continued to write and to publish books of poetry, much of it against slavery. In time, Frances became the first black woman to earn a living through the use of her words, living modestly and donating much of her income to helping her uncle's work with the Underground Railroad. In 1854, the Maine Anti-Slavery Society hired her to travel all over the Northeast to make anti-slavery speeches. She became one of the most famous speakers and authors of her time. All kinds of people came to hear her speak, but she made a point of not charging black people admission. Frances was progressive throughout her life. While she wrote and spoke against slavery, she also took other kinds of actions. She refused to wear or eat goods that were farmed by enslaved workers, including cotton and sugar. She wouldn't wear clothes made of cotton or eat food that contained sugar. In 1860, the year that the Civil War began, Frances Watkins married Fenton Harper, who already had three children. The two had a daughter together, and Frances took time off from her writing and speaking to tend to her blended family. Unfortunately, just a few short years later, her husband died, leaving her as a young widow responsible for many unpaid bills. 
Frances Watkins Harper made the difficult decision to send her children to live with relatives and go back on speaking tours in order to make money and provide for her family. By then, slavery had ended, and she spoke for women's rights and for legal and civil rights for Black people. She wrote poems and essays about the experiences of new freed slaves struggling to make their way despite the damage done to Black people by slavery. In 1870, she joined the Unitarian Church of Philadelphia. There, she found a community where white and Black people came together and where many shared her passion for justice. In many ways, Frances Harper was at home in two different worlds. Although she was used to working with white people, she also kept her connection to the Black community in Philadelphia. She maintained her membership in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, where she taught Sunday school. She wrote three novels specifically for Black people, highlighting family connections and choices about racial identity. She pushed for education and voting rights for Black people, and she encouraged Black children to learn and grow, just as she had been encouraged as a child. During her long life, as you have heard, Frances Ellen Watkins Harper offered her voice, her words, her money, her labor, and most importantly, her love to the work of justice-making for her people. She used her voice and her privilege as an educated Black, free Black woman to raise awareness of the plight of Black people in the United States after the Civil War. We honor her memory and her place among our Unitarian Universalist ancestors. Thank you to my friends, Michael Tina, Tino, Aisha Hauser, and Christina Rivera for that story. Let's take a moment for meditation as we reflect on the love shown by ancestors and activists from the past, the love around us and within us, and the love that moves us into the future. Notice the feelings in your body. If you're holding tension in your shoulders or your jaw or your hips, notice that. If you are sitting or standing in a stable and alert position, notice that. Or if you're sitting or standing in an unstable or an uncomfortable position, notice that. Attend to your breath. How does it feel to receive breath? How does it feel to release breath? Make adjustments if you like to your breathing, your posture, the tension you are holding and releasing. Hold in your mind and heart someone from the past who demonstrated love for the world. They may be someone you admire from history. They may be a founder of a tradition or a profession that holds you. They may be a mentor or someone with a family connection. Who from the past has shown love for the world. How did they build a legacy with that love? And what are you carrying from that legacy today? How does your memory of this person help you to be rooted in love?
Now consider someone in the present moment who shows love for the world. Perhaps you are thinking of someone who shows love by pursuing justice or by organizing mutual aid or by their compassion in everyday interactions. Hold this person in your mind and heart and treasure your connection with them. How does being in relationship with this person help you to be rooted in love? It may be the case that this person is inspired and encouraged by being in relationship with you as well. Now imagine someone in the future whose life is affected by the legacy of love that we are building at WES. Maybe this is a future member of WES, maybe someone not yet born who will need a community like this someday. Maybe this is someone whose life will be changed by voting rights work or by breaking the generational cycle of incarceration or by interfaith organizing for immigration justice. Maybe this is someone who will value having an ancestor who showed up with love for the world. How might our intention to be rooted in love help us to be such ancestors? Return your attention to the present moment. Notice your breath. Notice the feelings in your body. Notice if you are holding tension or experiencing ease in your hips, your shoulders, your jaw. Breathe in a way that's comfortable and nourishing for your body. Know that you are loved and you are capable of love. Know that our intention to be rooted in love reverberates through the past, the present, and the future. We continue our meditation in silence.
I got trained as a community organizer with Californians for Justice. And there we believed that people of color, immigrants, poor folks, queer folks, disabled folks, and young people are the majority. And if we organized our communities to vote, we could shift power to reflect our values and interests and needs for racial justice and economic justice and more. And now as a field organizer with UU The Vote in Pennsylvania, I still believe this strategy that voting can be a means to a power shift. It's not the only strategy, but it is one worthwhile strategy among many. So welcome to my field. Here with my reading glasses and my large screen, instead of my sunglasses and walking shoes for door knocking, the organizing field of pandemic times, where we gather in Zoom rooms, large and small, to reach thousands upon thousands of voters and potential voters. Just before recording this, 20 of us from Pennsylvania, Maryland, Washington, DC, my own Connecticut and Massachusetts gathered in a Zoom room with our partners at CASA, a group organizing to build power in immigrant and working class communities in central Pennsylvania. In two hours, we sent over 60,000 texts to urge folks to check and update their voter registration or to get registered. We texted with people who had lost their jobs and apartments due to the pandemic, and we connected them with community resources. We texted with someone who is homeless and helped them get the information they need to be able to register to vote. We texted with lots of folks who weren't sure if their registration was up to date and helped them check their status. We know that over 90 of them followed up to register. And we texted with some people who said they follow God's law and their faith tells them not to participate in voting. Dear ones, our faith says that the here and now matters. That we live our faith not for the possibility of heaven when we die, but to create heaven here on earth. What we do, what you do, matters. And so we work. We you, you, the vote. We text the vote, we postcard the vote, we phone bank the vote. We use the tools at hand, spiritual, technological, relational, to connect with people around our values. If you haven't considered calling voters yet, please get step out of your comfort zone and try it. Join us in this sacred connection and faithful work. There is so much to do and so little time before the election. And there is so much to do after the election, because we are in this not to elect a particular person, but to shift power to reflect our faith, our values, so that we can keep organizing for a world where every person is loved, sheltered, valued, and has what they need to thrive.
a single honeybee makes just one twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in its lifetime. It takes 70 honeybees just to make my morning tea. Like honeybees, it is up to each of us to do our part. Let us be honeybees. I ask you to do your one twelfth of a teaspoon. Perhaps two hours or ten hours of work, together it adds up to a whole lot of honey. I invite you to come join us in the virtual field. Make your small bit of honey so that together we as Unitarian Universalists can make gallons and gallons of impact. We who believe in freedom cannot rest. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. As a song leader, one of the songs that I keep returning to, particularly in these days of uprising and reckoning, is Ella's song, written by Dr. Bernice Johnson Regan and performed by Sweet Honey in the Rock. Its lyrics, which I know some of you are already very familiar with, set to music the words of Ella Baker, an organizer, activist, leader, teacher, a prophet in the civil rights movement. Until the killing of black men, black mother's sons, becomes as important to the rest of the country as the killing of a white mother's son, we who believe in freedom cannot rest until it happens. Ella Baker's words in this song are ones she wrote over 50 years ago, but they could have been written yesterday. And I'll be honest, that reality breaks my heart. It leaves me crying out. Will it ever end? For some of us, that question is one that has literal life and death implications that the rest of us cannot fully know. And as much as Ella Baker's words break my heart, they also charge my spirit. Their relevance to today's manifestation of resistance and community reminds me that we are a continuation of something much bigger, much more powerful, much more incredible than this single moment in our history. Our struggles to affirm the humanity and basic rights of black and brown lives in this country and world, they did not begin with us and they will not end with us. We who believe in freedom cannot rest. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. Now, I admit it took me several years of singing these words to realize that Ella Baker probably wasn't telling me, Ren with the Aunt Mustafa Taha Mami, personally to never rest. No, in fact, none of us as individuals should be asked or expected to never rest. But all of us who believe in freedom as a collective, 
as a community, we cannot rest. Ella's song, Ella's words are a charge for all of us together as a movement to never rest. We cannot stop fighting, we cannot stop creating, we cannot rest until freedom in its truest and most universal form exists in our world. Our faith as Unitarian Universalists who don't all agree on what happens after this life can all believe that what happens in this life matters so deeply that we have been called heretics, broken unjust laws, and probably gotten ourselves on more than one government list to make it known that we will not rest until freedom for every last one of us comes. And to be that unceasing, everlasting, perseverant, irritatingly prophetic movement that never rests, we need to reaffirm, deepen, and re-reaffirm our connections to each other as Unitarian Universalists. To remember that if we do this work together, we can not rest. And just as important, to be a true continuation of that much bigger, much more powerful, much more incredible freedom movement, we not only need to sustain our relationships within our faith, but we must build and sustain the relationships with communities and frontline liberators who have been leading the way to universal freedom for generations. We who believe in freedom cannot rest and can not rest when we act as a truly interdependent collective. When we are carrying our load on the way to liberation, remembering that we are part of a movement reminds us that we are not carrying that load alone. Like a choir whose singers stagger their breathing to make sure a single note remains an unbroken sound, or a hospital that runs nonstop with a rotating staff, like migrating geese who take turns leading, following, or resting in their flying formation, we cannot rest and we can not rest until freedom comes if we sustain our connections to one another. We need each other so that when we as individuals do rest, we know our movement towards universal freedom carries on, waiting for us to return and temporarily relieve another of their liberation load. As we count down the days to election day, we know that no matter the outcomes, our work will continue. We will not rest. We can not rest. If we take care of each other and our shared vision for universal freedom, that is possible. Knowing that each and every one of us is doing the same for all of us. And knowing that our collaboration in this moment is a continuation of a movement that knows there will come a day when we, all of us who believe in freedom, can finally rest. We who believe in freedom.
freedom cannot last. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. Thank you for receiving our video guests today with hospitality and kindness. Though they aren't with us live, your willingness to listen deeply to find common ground, and to consider how you might support the work of voting love and defeating hate means a lot to our guests and to me. There are three things I wanna lift up out of what we've heard today. Connections for love and justice can be complex. Connections for love and justice make this work sustainable. And connections for love and justice reach far into the future. First of all, connections for love and justice can be complex. We heard the story of Frances Ellen Watkins Harper, who was raised by a family who understood education as empowerment. As we heard, she eventually found a home in Philadelphia, a place where she could be regarded as a whole person, an intellectual and an organizer. Harper achieved a great deal by building community in several places at once, by being a bridge between centers of power. She was a member of both the First Unitarian Church of Philadelphia and the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Sometimes being more than one thing is a strength. Watkins' 1859 story, The Two Offers, was the first short story written by an African-American that was published in the United States. In it, she reflects, talk as you will of woman's deep capacity for loving, of the strength of her affectional nature, I do not deny it. But will the mere possession of any human love fully satisfy all the demands of her whole being? But woman, the true woman, if you would render her happy, it needs more than the mere development of her affectional nature. Her conscience should be enlightened, her faith in the true and right established, and scope given to her faculties. Harper was pushing back against a certain conception of womanhood, one that fed into both white supremacy and misogyny. If we expand this reflection on the demands of our whole being, we might wonder if people of all genders are harmed by this idea of being only one thing, having only one purpose. And like all forms of oppression, the effect is not equal for everyone. But the illusion of simple answers to complex questions isn't good for anyone. I believe that people can be more than one thing at a time, and communities can be more than one thing at a time. We can have a guiding mission, principles, clarity of values, and also find a variety of ways of bringing that mission to life. Harper asks us to create spaces where our consciences can be awakened, where we can anchor our sense of what is right, where we can stretch and grow our capabilities. And most of all, that those spaces be inclusive of people who are usually shut out of ethical 
intellectual, and political consideration. Harper acknowledges the power of love, and love is so powerful that it can't be contained in only one channel. Today, we're talking about putting love into practice. And there are many ways to do that, and it's good to try a new way every so often. When we're fighting voter disenfranchisement, when we're making space in our democracy where love can grow rather than hate, there are a number of strategies we might try. Lots of us are doing postcards and letters to voters. UU The Vote invites us to do phone banking and text banking because those personal connections in real time might be just what a person needs to feel the love and to get the information they need for exercising their right to vote. And there are many other ways to put love into practice. We can support mutual aid networks. We can check in on our friends who have gone quiet. We can help our loved ones connect with resources for their basic needs, because it's hard to think about democracy when you're hungry. We can start book groups that explore social issues so that we bring our minds as well as our hearts into the practice of transformation. There is a place for you, for all of us, in showing love for the world. My hope is in making all of this room, we're connecting with communities of people. We are better in coalition than we are in isolation. Let love for the world bring us together with community partners, with community organizations led by those who are most impacted, with artists and musicians who inspire us to persevere. Connections for love and justice can be complex and that can be a good thing. One of the things that helps us to be complex to show up in several places at once is that we are a community. Ranwa Hamami showed the metaphor of a chorus that can sustain a note together because the members stagger their breathing. They take turns breathing. We can be ceaseless in our practice of love and justice when we coordinate with each other so that each person's practice is sustainable. Kathy Ryan Starr spoke about honeybees, about how each one of us does a part. The collective impact brings gallons and gallons of sweetness. A few weeks ago, I told the story of Higgins, a drop with a dream, and we can each be a drop. One of us will be the drop that tips the bucket so that we can let justice flow. And not only that, each community is like a drop. And when we gather as a community of communities, we can leverage even more nourishment, even more sweetness, even more healing energy. In my conversations with you all so far, I'm hearing an interest in deeper relationships with our community partners. How can we be, go beyond charity and embrace solidarity? How can we understand Wes as being a part of larger networks, all moving toward a world in which every person can bring out their best? We'll be looking for ways to do that with the Washington Interfaith Network and with the Congregational Action Network and with other partners like the Unitarian Universalist Association and the American Ethical Union. Wes is a unique voice in each of these groups and a needed perspective. 
what draws us together with our partners is of greater importance than what divides us. One way we can show love for the world is by opening ourselves up to the possibility of deeper relationships with our associational and community partners. Before I close, I'd like to imagine with you the long-term impact of showing love for the world. Our friends, Christina Rivera, Aisha Hauser, and Michael Tino continue to be inspired in the here and now by 19th century role models like Francis Ellen Watkins Harper. As we fight voter suppression, we look back on the civil rights movement of the 1960s for inspiration, for strategies that continue to bear fruit, for a connection with a continuous line of extremists for love. I often hear people at West refer to the role of early ethical culture members in founding organizations like the Visiting Nurses Association and the NAACP as evidence of a vision of community empowerment, examples that still lead us to find ways that ethical culture can foment and support the infrastructure of justice and compassion. May it be so that we build our own legacies that we become ancestors like these. Connections for love and justice reach far into the future. Whatever role you find for yourself in showing love for the world, consider how the impact might last past the upcoming election, past the current set of crises, past even the horizons of our own experience in this life as we find a place for ourselves and for this community in showing love for the world, we remember the strength of being in partnership and how moving toward a vision of compassion and abundance can be sustainable when we move together. The task ahead of us is complex and so are we individually and collectively. Let's make room for many ways of being, many ways of leveraging power, many ways of connecting with organizations and people who are showing what love looks like in public. May it be so. After some music, we'll have community sharing time when you can share what resonated with you today. A framing question might help spark a memory of a personal experience or your direct observation. It's like a writing prompt, you can use it or not. Today's framing question is, how will you show love in the days leading up to, during, and after the election? Reflecting on being rooted in love, how are you showing that now? What will that look like as the election unfolds? Whatever happens with the results, how will you continue to be rooted in love? So let's contemplate, rest, and reflect as we experience the beauty of the musical response. Love will guide us, peace has tried us, Hope inside us will lead the way on the road from greed to giving. You 
Wow. This is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or what resonates in our own lives. You may consider the questions Lynn posed to us. How will you show love in the days leading up to, during and after the election? I invite you to share, your, uh, to share in the Zoom chat or Facebook comments and we'll try to share as many of those as we can. So powerful morning. I'm certainly feeling revved up and ready to go for helping support uh, our democracy. Um, Naomi shares, what a powerful and uplifting platform. Thank you for sharing that. And um, just a reminder, go ahead and select um, all panelists and attendees if you wanna make sure everybody can see your comments this morning. Oh, Maceo has a good, uh, has a good point here. Who haven't uh, you seen recently? Please consider scrolling through the member directory and saying hi to a member you haven't connected with in a while. Show up, share love. Great point, Maceo. Trish, the talk and singing were truly uh, inspiring. And uh, Sue sharing a wonderful platform. Kate um, uh, says, I will uh, be continuing to serve as West's congressional captain to UUSJ and we'll be sharing information about the opportunities for phone and text bank, uh, banking in the coming days. Thank you, Kate. Um, Hannah and Brennan um, sharing very inspiring and uh, Bonnie saying, it was good to be rem uh, remembered that I can make a difference. Donna um, shared that uh, they did postcards over the summer and it did make me feel powerful. Um, I've worked on that as well at uh, my house and it felt good writing out um, postcards to folks. That was a great exercise and feeling like you're connecting. All right, Karen Shang, uh, Karen shared, I've been text banking a lot. Um, that's great to hear, Karen. Uh, with you, you the vote, Women's March Action, Progressive Maryland, got to work hard to ensure a change. And um, Hannah said, I'm registered for a text banking uh, training for later this week. I hope others will consider doing the same. That's a good point, right? We wanna be um, the best advocates we can. Julie um, said, just signed up for phone banking. All right. 
Josh, uh, I will continue to do postcards and I'm getting ready to serve as an election judge. Wow, very cool. Um, and uh, let's see, it was very cool. Um, it was really cool to scroll through my newsfeed and see so many other congregations hearing the same messages this morning. An awesome way to make this online platform time connected through the country this morning with so many folks. That's from Robin. It's a great point. It is, it is nice to sometimes feel like we're all whether it's the bees or the geese or uh, all the different ways that we're, you know, imagining how working together as a group um, makes a big difference. It's good to see us working together. Um, Isha, uh, let's see, I can swim underwater and not get wet. Um, um, and I know I can sing like an angel and speak for the thousands. Those are lyrics by DC's BYB, Backyard Band, DD, DC Go-Go Music. Hobart Street Crew, Northwest, very cool. Joe uh, said, I'm going to join you the vote and call some folks every day until the election. I hope people answer the phone, <laughs> it's true, but uh, still it's uh, the power of numbers, right, Joe? Um, Anne says, I'm downloading letters and preparing them for mailing through Vote Forward. They go to targeted voters in swing states, uh, swing states. it takes three minutes per letter. Voted.org, great, thank you for sharing that, Anne. And Trish, uh, I have to trust that negative energy, anger, outrage can be channeled into something positive and constructive. These are very, very good points. Um, I'll try to share a few more comments here. There's a lot. I love to see the energy this morning. This is, this is fantastic. And it's, I think it's somewhat um, magnifying for us all, right, to see that reflected. Um, and I know it gets me uh, excited to move forward in this way. Um, let's see. Oh, correction from Anne. It's vote. Um, V-O-T-E-F-W-D.org. Um, Adam saying, likewise, Trang, it's good to remember that we aren't alone, that we have our AEU and UUA siblings who are also working to change the world, right? Both um, groups, we've seen a lot of support for making some positive impacts and differences as a collective, and it's great to remember. Uh, Laura Steele sharing, check out Common Cause, which is doing volunteer vote monitoring for both early voting and election day. There's a training website, Maryland Common Cause. Don't forget to, Maceo's reminding us, don't forget to research your local elections and vote. And Lynn, uh, Laura, that is a great point. There are always ways to help ensure the integrity of elections. And, um, you know, what, what's in, striking me just reading all these comments um, is just how involved all of our members are, right? And everyone's throwing out there ways they've been involved already, um, favorite sites, favorite ways of connecting, um, things people are doing, things people are starting this morning. It's really cool to be in community with such a active and engaged group of folks on, on an issue like this. So, um, so good to see. Um, uh, let's see, Suzanne, uh, for those who resist bone baking, I get it. <laughs> it's not nearly as much fun as on the ground canvassing, but it feels good to contribute in this way. And if not us, who? What a great, what a great question. Um, right. I think there's, uh, we all are having to stretch ourselves in new ways of connecting and talking to people um, uh, during this time. And um, they're not always the ones that we're most used to or most comfortable with. Um, well, there's a lot of comments and I know the conversation is going to continue. Um, let's, uh, let, I'll do one last one here. Barbara saying, I'm writing letters, texting for voting through Silver Spring Progressive Action and um, check it out. All right. Um, 
just as we share our perspectives in this community, which it's been um, very enjoyable to see how many powerful ones we've had this morning and how engaged everyone is. So too, do we share our resources and gifts. As we prepare for collection, I would like to repeat our welcome to visitors. We invite you to be our guest today and ask visitors not to feel pressured by the collection. We appreciate each person's giving is able. Generous giving as you're able and um, again, be our guest if you're a visitor today. Usually the Sunday collection is split down the middle, half, of our, uh, half to our partner organization of the month and half to Wes. This month, because of the extreme timeliness of the work of UU The Vote, we are doing that differently. Today, all donations, all of them, will be directed towards UU The Vote so we can rush our contributions to them to use for engaging and mobilizing voters immediately. For the rest of the month, you'll have the option to donate directly to UU The Vote through their technology or directly to West through our technology. If you would like to contribute today, to be bundled with others from the Washington Ethical Society. You can use Wes's usual channels to make your donation. You can text um, right there on the screen, 202-335-1885 to give, or you can also make a gift um, online through the donate button on our website at ethicalsociety.org. If you'd like to make your donation directly to the UU, the vote, and choose whether to receive communications from that campaign moving forward. You will see information about that on your screen during the collection music. As we often do for our Share the Plate partner organization, we're making extra time today to hear from them about their work and about the impacts our gifts can make on that work. UU The Vote has provided a video from Ashley Horan. Um, like many of our partner organizations, UU The Vote may have a slightly different vocabulary for the shared values and shared goals West supports. We receive share the plate presentations with hospitality and kindness, knowing that we can do together with our partner organizations so much more um, and more important work than the details that set us apart. We welcome Ashley Horan. In all of the major religious traditions, people have marked time in seasons. The Jewish High Holy Days, the Muslim period of Ramadan, earth-based celebrations of solstice and equinox. Each of these seasons, in its own right and in its own way, helps humans to mark the passage of time, to reconnect with what is good and holy and true in each of us and in one another, to travel the spectrum of human emotion and experience as our ancestors and their ancestors have done for generations. And then there's the rest of the year, the daily turn of the earth, the routines of everyday living. In the Christian tradition, these periods between the major liturgical seasons are known as ordinary time, the weeks when people carry on with the regular duties and rituals of work and family. The wise ones knew that there is a deep importance to this rhythm that we need both the routine and the normalcy of ordinary time and the temporary suspension of routine and normalcy that the liturgical seasons bring. But what happens when that cycle is upended, when ordinary time is disrupted, maybe permanently, when every day is a constant barrage of hurricanes and wildflowers, of police killings and uprisings, of viruses and climate catastrophe, 
of repression and resistance. These are no ordinary times, beloveds. But our yearning persists. Perhaps not for ordinary time with all the ways the status quo is brutal to so many among us, but for extraordinary time. A time when hope is plentiful, when justice is pervasive, when community is resilient, and when love governs us all. Our Unitarian Universalist faith compels us to be builders of extraordinary time, even in the midst of profoundly abnormal ones. Our faith compels us to claim our agency and take action, even as our broken systems strain to keep us passive to affirm the inherent worth and dignity of every single one of our human siblings by refusing to accept brutality and repression, to lean in to our radical interdependence by working together, organizing our communities to be powerful and prophetic in the face of all the forces that would dehumanize and kill us. Right now, UU The Vote is working ceaselessly to build this kind of extraordinary time. Across the country, hundreds of our congregations are mobilizing volunteers in deep partnership with local and national partners. UUs have reached out to hundreds of thousands of voters with texts and postcards and calls on track for a million before November. We have had deep conversations about the issues that are central to our deepest values. We are fighting voter suppression, mobilizing those who have been disenfranchised, registering neighbors who've never had the chance to make their voices heard. And we are also building power and resources and connections to face together whatever comes after November 3rd. So today, we are asking you to join with us in building this extraordinary time that we are all yearning for. And to mark this threshold year of 2020, and all the possibility and peril it represents. We are inviting every single Unitarian Universalist to help us move into the future, toward extraordinary time in November and beyond, by making a gift to UU The Vote. And since numbers are significant, we want to encourage you to consider a gift that honors the number 2020. Perhaps you are someone who could make a gift of $2,020, an amount that would fund 50,000 calls to voters in critical states. If this is you, now is the time for your generosity. Or maybe you're someone who could give $202 or $20.20 or some multiple of those numbers. Helping us pay for fellowships and organizers and staff across the country who are coordinating our phone banks working with state advocacy networks, building infrastructure of volunteers that's going to last us far beyond this election. Or maybe you, like so many among us, are suffering financially during this time, but maybe your gift of $2.02 can be a symbolic gesture that we are all one, that we are working together to build this extraordinary time. Together, friends, as Unitarian Universalists, we are doing extraordinary things in these abnormal and heartbreaking times. And there is so much more to do. Please, give as generously as you are able.
thank you to so many of the people who helped create this morning's time together. Interim music coordinator, Leah Morris, with guests from the UUA. Thank you to Maceo Thomas, our membership coordinator. Thank you to Jen Watson, who created our slides, and to Robin Kravitz for communications support and hosting our coffee hour. And thank you to tech host, Sonia Coopers. And thank you to those who are leading and supporting the work in the week to come. Please join us for a virtual coffee hour after service. Once we're in the Zoom coffee hour space, we'll divide into breakout groups for small group social chatting. To get to the coffee hour after closing words, point your browser to tiny.cc slash WES coffee hour. It's the first Sunday of the month, and so visitors are encouraged to stop by the question and answer session before heading over to general coffee hour. To get to the Q&A session after platform, go to tiny.cc slash West Newcomers. So that's W-E-S Newcomers with an S at the end and join the Zoom meeting there. And thank you, Lynn, for throwing some of those sites on the chat. Later this afternoon at 1 p.m., those who would like to learn more about UU The Vote are welcome to meet with interim leader Lynn Cox and view a short video about volunteering with the campaign. To get to that Zoom meeting at one, go to tiny.cc slash UUTheVote. Families with school-aged children, mark your calendars for this Saturday, October 10th, from 10 a.m. to noon. There will be a drive-by event to pick up autumn-themed materials for ethical education at home. You should have received an email with a sign-up link so that we can manage social distancing during the event. If you can't find the link, email Robin Kravitz at robink at, that's R-O-B-Y-N-K, at ethicalsociety.org. You still have another chance to submit your donations for the West virtual auction live from your couch. Consider whether you have a service that you can provide while being socially distanced, a Zoom party you can host, items you can create and deliver, or themed baskets you can put together. Auction donations are due by tomorrow, Monday, October 5th. See the online form for more details. We have opportunities at, for West members and friends to check in during the week. There are a variety of support groups as well. Please check the website for details. A reminder that our weekly 16th Street Vigil continues each Friday evening. Now, it's, uh, now that it's getting darker earlier, the vigil on the sidewalk, chalk, chalk art, um, witness for all ages both begin at 4.30 p.m. You can find the details for these and all other events at our website calendar at ethicalsociety.org. Finally, thank you for being here with us. Let's enjoy our closing song for the month, Shall We Be Known.
And now I invite you to join me in our closing words. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment, listening to our hearts, each other, and our neighbors in our quest for a better world. Again, please join us for a virtual coffee hour our visitors, please join the Q&A session. You can find the link on the slide or in the chat. Also, I know in this time where we have uh, only really able to see uh, folks with masks in person, it's been really nice to see folks, uh, entire faces as we talk together and chat together in the coffee hour. If you are new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, and introduce yourself. And uh, his email, maceot at ethicalsociety.org and tiny.cc slash Wes Connections. We really hope folks can make it to the coffee hour and some time together. There's a lot of opportunities this week and I enjoy um, this time. And I, and I will say personally, um, this reminder of the power of collective action this week, uh, this Sunday has been very meaningful with everything going on. 
and look forward to continuing those conversations together. So just a reminder, this call will end and we'll be switching. Hopefully folks are already starting the process.